A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. We're back, baby, for 2024. But it hasn't exactly got off to the best start. Samka is out for the rest of the season with, you guessed it, an ACL injury. What does it all mean for Chelsea, both in the WSL and the Champions League? With the January transfer window underway, we also have some confirmed deals and some wicked whispers for you. And yes, that isn't an image created by AI. That really is Christy Mewis in a West Ham shirt. Yeah, it, it beggars belief. And to wrap up, we talked to Watford right-back Lucia Leon ahead of their trip to Meadow Park to face Arsenal. Rach, what have you been up to, apart from eating mince pies and drinking sherry and sitting by a warm fire with the rabbit, you know, overlooking the the, the, the Kent coast? I was back in Dublin. Ooh. I did the rest of the stuff except for the sherry, and it was dogs rather than the rabbit. But okay. everything else, mince pies, warm fire, all of that. Lovely time. Uh, really relaxing time. Much needed break. I Rest don't know about you. I was knackered by the end of December. Um, so, yeah, pretty chill time in Dublin with the fam, and then... Went to Vancouver for a few days with Soph in I the new year. I did see that. A romantic yeah. little weekend away. Whose idea was that? Is it, are you the romantic one? Uh, Sophie's Thought so. love of yeah. Vancouver so. is deep. She used to live there. And uh, we floated the idea. And once you float the idea of Vancouver, it's there. It's happening. And did was that your gift to Sophie or Sophie's gift to you? Like, what did you it get was, for Christmas? It, Oh, it was neither. It wasn't that kind of thing. It was a joint oh, I see. effort. Probably more Sophie than me. But um, what did I get? That's a great question. I did give some great gifts. I was very excited about some of the gifts. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I gave my parents, Sophie and I gave my parents tickets to uh, Bruce Springsteen. I mean, I, personally, I couldn't think of anything worse, but they sound like fantastic they were, gifts for they were very excited people of a it. certain generation, for sure. Absolutely. 100%. So that was the one I was most excited to give. And the other one we were really excited to give was um, giving my brother a Lego Chewbacca. And to get that home, Sophie ordered this in. She was very excited about it. Going off on a tangent slightly. And, uh, <laughs> Not like us. This thing was over maybe three quarters of a meter high in a box. And I was like, I have to get this to Dublin. So it took a lot of uh, rejigging, flat packing, uh, filled my backpack with 17 bags of Lego. 
extra suitcase. So I shook myself through the airport. Four hundred pounds for urgent. Honest to God. Anyway, he loved it. So totally worth it. Oh great. What about you? Tell me. Uh my Christmas was very chilled. Went to Copenhagen with the GF, which was lovely, very romantic. Did lots of canal tours, lots of like beautiful candlelit restaurants, very nice and smooth. Uh, and didn't think about women's football for uh, about it's about two weeks. And I then you were thinking, say two minutes. I was like the same. Yeah, well it was about that. I mean you kind of it's, it's in the periphery, isn't it? It's in the back of your mind at all times when you wake up, what's gonna happen next? And then you think it's calm. You think we're sort of going through this patch where there's no women's fix, uh, no women's fixtures. We're sort of leading to the FA Cup. You know, we're getting back into WSL on the on the twenty first, twenty second. Nothing's going to happen. It's fairly chill. And then some big news breaks. What is the big news? No one wanted it. No one wanted to start twenty twenty four this way. Um, I mean, Chelsea put out. On their Twitter account uh, a few days ago, Sam Kerr suffered an ACL injury whilst on a warm weather training camp uh, with Chelsea in Morocco, meaning she'll obviously re- uh, miss the rest of the season and the Olympics with Australia. I mean, this has come off the back of a massive spate of ACL injuries in just this half of the season. I think I was trying to tally it up and we've got to about nine. And that's obviously off the back of you know Chelsea having a, a, a first ACL injury this season, which was Anik Nguyen. Um, and that's and now we're sort of getting into the situation where you've got Emma Hayes departing, you've got two sort of critical ACLs. Um, the future's looking a little bit uncertain and shaky for Chelsea now. Um, but again, it's sort of we get back to the kind of ACL topic, a topic that none of us ever want to discuss. We've already seen sort of big names, Caroline Veer, um, Gabby George, Hannah Kane. Uh, I know. Leon has an MCL injury, but all these knee injuries keep taking place and we don't seem to be any further along in the kind of discussion. Um, yeah, Sam Kerr, obviously top goal scorer across all of the competitions this season with nine. Lauren James just behind her on seven and Aggie Beaver-Jones uh, just behind her uh, on five. But I mean, Rach, what do you kind of think is going to be the impact for Chelsea now? Do you think it's going to be that critical or do you think actually the squad depth is there that this is, 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 is a big miss, but it's not crucial? Well, first of all, uh, I'm really devastated by the fact that Sam Kerr has done her ACL. Um, I'm wearing my Chelsea sweater. I didn't even realise. In honour. It's because it's not in Chelsea colours. It's I beige. And I I've know. never seen Chelsea in beige. No, this is just one of their cool, <laughs> trendy um, bits of kit uh, from the Chelsea shop. And I thought I'd wear it today in honour. Um, and also, I feel like when the news, then this news breaks and those dreaded three letters go out, there's just that collective, like... <sighs> There was a lot of expletives in various WhatsApp groups I'm in when the news broke. Um, and when Sophie, I was actually uh, undecorating the Christmas tree and, and there was a loud expletive from the couch from Sophie. And I, I had to sit down for a few minutes. Um, devastating news. I know she's had, a, you know, it's been, she's really been working hard to get back from the injury she suffered in the summer, um, which saw her miss most of the World Cup. I'm so glad she did get to play a game. Uh, or two in the World Cup, that she got to score. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like she was coming back to her 100%. You know, even Emma Hayes said it, if that's Sam Kerr at 80% when she scored her hat-trick um, just before Christmas at Stamford Bridge, um, you know, I want Sam Kerr at 80% kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know. So she was coming back, um, and it is absolutely devastating for any player to get an ACL injury. Um, it is a, I think it is a big loss for Chelsea, huge loss. Um, of course, they've got great, depth they've overcome adversity before they've they know how to win during difficult times and when they're faced against you know difficult opposition or difficult circumstances or whatever that might be this is a new challenge I think for them to face um Sam Kerr is a big game player Mm -hmm. and she comes up when they absolutely need her most oh yeah um and that will be a big loss for them 
Um, plus her leadership, you know, it's not just the goals she scores, mm-hmm. it's everything she does off the ball, her movement, everything. Um, so she will be absolutely a big loss. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Chelsea manage this. Do they stick or twist? Mm-hmm. Do they stick with what they have? Um, give me official that opportunity. Do they try and find somebody even on loan during the transfer window? That position is notoriously difficult to find, especially trying to replace someone of her quality. Massively. I think we'll touch a little bit on replacements in a second, but I think just, you know, piggybacking off what you said about what Chelsea have lost, I think you also have to look at the kind of reputation that she has, how dynamic she has. I think I think she's one of those players, obviously stepped into the captaincy role with Millie Bright, obviously out with her kind of knee niggle. Millie Bright obviously taking the captaincy uh, this season. But then you think of the profile that she has around the club as well. I mean, everyone was excited this weekend. It's the FA Cup. They're <laughs> yeah. going to play West Ham. You've got the Kerr-Mewis matchup. I mean, that was kind of like the celebrity fixture to go into the new year with. Um, and I just feel like it's going to be disappointing. Obviously, you know, Mewis as well coming over uh, to, to England, just got engaged, you know, really excited, really full of energy. Um, I know there were sort of rumours that they've been spotted, you know, buying houses and things across um, in, in London. So I think it just, it, it feels like the kind of profile that Sam has in and around Chelsea as well, I think is, it, there's a sort of a dampened feeling, I think there. And obviously, you know, with the loss of Emma Hayes this year to, to the US Women's National Team, not too long ago, we saw that sort of devastating performance at, at the Emirates and now two, CA, two ACL injuries. It kind of feels like this is going to be, this is a turbulent period for, for Chelsea. So it'd be difficult It'll be interesting to see how they kind of ride this out. But like you said, then let's sort of touch a little bit on, you know, some of the replacements. You mentioned their sort of, you know, Mia Fischel, 22 years old, um, big fish, as she's known sort of in and around the women's football community. Um, yeah, I think she signed for, I think it was about two, $250,000, um, I think was the kind of reported fee um, from Tigres, the uh, the top Mexican league. Um, but so far, I think even though she sort of had quite a sort of big career in the Mexican league, a number of appearances. I think she was, uh, I think it was nearly 50 appearances or so scoring, I think 38 or so goals. But this side in the, you know, coming over the pond to the WSL, her experience, I suppose, hasn't been that big yet. She's still a young player. I mean, what do you think that, do you think Hayes is going to now rely on her or do we think actually it's too early and she still needs a bit more developing before she takes on the pressure of, of um of what's to come this season. It's really hard to tell because I think normally obviously Emma Hayes would like to have that time especially with younger players and players that maybe she sees as a, a longer term investment. Granted Emma is leaving in the summer, but Fischl I think signed on a 3-year contract. Um you know, she would have much preferred to be able to manage her minutes and manage her kind of introduction into the team and she has had minutes. You know, does she now say I'm going to trust her enough give her this opportunity? You know, when you're looking at a team that want to win the Champions League, that want to win every trophy, do you do that? Do you take that risk? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I I don't know the answer to that. Like, it, that's what I mean about it being stick and twist, stick or twist. Um, does she go out and find somebody else? Um, I don't know. I think it's a really hard one to call. I think they do have depth. They've got goals coming from other areas of the pitch. Guru Wrighton's back as well. She mm-hmm. can produce goals. Um, LJ scores goals. Frank Kirby. Aaron Cuthbert Mm -hmm. you know um, like I said they do have the depth but there's a difference when you're losing a player like Sam Kerr and it's not just as I said not just the goals but like even just the fear Mm -hmm. that she will instill in opposition teams having to manage her movement having to deal with her in the air you know it's all those kind of different things she's a pest yeah she'd be a bloody (laughs) nightmare to Mark I would hate to you know and she's she's, like a gnat in the box she's not even the tallest and somehow (laughs) she floats when when she jumps so it's all those little elements um, I do think they <clears throat> probably 
have the depth to get through, but I guess when they want a challenge on all fronts, can you afford to to not go out and replace? I think it's going to be interesting. So obviously now we've got these two transfer periods where Sam Kerr is going to be out of action. Obviously the January transfer window is ends at the end of the month and then we've got the transfer window coming in the sort of the summer season. But Sam Kerr is not going to be making it back this summer, obviously. It's a long-term injury. We, we, we'll probably hopefully maybe see her sort of towards the back end of 2024. That's if she has a good run and, you know, things aren't uncomplicated. But... You know, when you look at sort of what Emma Hayes has got to do now, she's got to make that decision about the sort of future career and the longevity of the club, putting everything that she's going to be doing aside. Um, And I do feel that, you know, you don't know how things are going to pan out with the injury. You don't know how things are going to go. It kind of feels like there is scope now to get in someone of that kind of, I don't know, someone who's sort of, you know, an experienced attacking presence. I mean, at the moment, like you said, you've got me official, but she's still sort of, you know, finding her feet, finding that experience. She's still quite raw. And then you've got maybe Katerina uh, Macario. She's sort of just coming back at 24, um, but hasn't featured in the WSL yet through, you know, coming back from her own sort of ACL injury uh, that she suffered in June 2022. I mean, her recovery has been quite long in terms of the sort of average ACL recovery times. Um yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like it's kind of precarious period and we'll wait and see, I suppose, what Emma... Because Emma Hayes wants to end on high. They've got four uh, competitions that are still in the WSL. Obviously, you've got the FA Cup, you've got the Champions League and you've also got the Conti Cup. And I think, you know, for Emma Hayes, she will want to end with, ideally, four bits of silverware. But do you trust that? Do you trust your sort of the ending of your career on youngsters who maybe just are that a touch too early? to be that, that leading line for Chelsea? It's, it's such a difficult decision to make. Um, and as <laughs> I said to you, an <laughs> as I said to you, it's not a simple role yep. to a player to replace. Um, I'm also right in thinking Georgia Fox on loan from Chelsea did her ACL as well. Yes. That's another one. But I think she did, the, you know, I think both now and, and Fox didn't do it at Chelsea, if you know yes. what I mean, but they're rehabbing with them. So, um, bloody hell, there's so many of them again. Um, yeah, it's... You, you can't, that caliber of player isn't just kind of floating about. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and that's what makes it so difficult. It's difficult enough to sign, you know, at the beginning of a season um, when you're, you know, I want you all the time for this three year contract, whatever. It's not potentially a loan period or, or replacing a player who's, who's injured for a, a long period of time. So it's a really hard position to find, um, especially a player that's going to have all the attributes Sam Kerr has. It could be a bit of a, you know, Moneyball situation, you know, mm-hmm. where you look at what attributes can you find in your team that maybe Sam Kerr has and what attributes now will be missing. Can we find someone to be a piece of a, a jigsaw rather than replacing her with one person? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's it's not easy. Well, we had a question from Naomi on Instagram. Uh, she said, do you think Chelsea still stand a good chance of winning the league without Sam? Um, obviously, Chelsea sort of went into the winter break three points ahead of Man City. I mean, my perception is, yes, I think they are one of those teams that kind of, they overcome adversity. I think we keep going back to that, what you said, mentality monsters, they're going to want to do it for Emma Hayes in the same way that you saw kind of, you know, the Australia squad did so, I think a part of why they did so well at the Olympics, not the Olympics, the uh, the Women's World Cup last summer was because they wanted to get to a point where Sam Kerr could come back into the squad and actually perform and be on the pitch. So I think there's that kind of like, you find your inner grit. You find that kind of... Well, look you know, at Arsenal last season. 100%. I mean, to end the league that strong with all the injuries that they had, I think there is something in that kind of, okay, we've, we're going to have to grit our teeth. We're going to have to grin and bear it. Everyone's going to have to pull their socks up. You're going to have to find this inner strength from everyone. Let's end on this kind of, you know, historic moment for Emma Hayes 
if it means the Champions League win, then cool. You got to sacrifice the title for that, then fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still think they've got a really good chance of of doing it. I don't. I'm not concerned that this is going to be a sudden drop off, and all of a sudden we're going to see Chelsea in the relegation zone. That's absolutely oh. Dramatization. No. It's going to be hard, but I would never write off Chelsea. You can't. You just can't. It would be ridiculous to do so. And we've seen what teams can do when up against adversity, when fighting for other teammates, um, and that can actually be a dangerous thing for, sure. for the opposition. So um, absolutely gutted for her, but I would not write off Chelsea. Agreed. After the news of Kerr's injury, we revisited our episode looking into ACL injuries in women's football. It will be just below this episode in your podcast app, so go and have a listen. Uh, Remy Allen gives some great insight as a player recovering from an ACL injury at the time. Right, moving swiftly on, but still keeping with that Chelsea theme. Um, I mean, the January business sort of transfer window for Chelsea looks like it's kind of heating up a little bit. Uh, Natalie Bjorn, Sweden defender uh, and Everton... Um, player. I mean, what do we think? Do we think going? Allegedly, um, she had been linked with Real Madrid uh, for a while. I God, don't that's think... a tough... <laughs> what would you do? What would you do? Go to Chelsea. Um, <laughs> I think they hadn't matched the fee or something like that. Everton have really struggled to hang on to her. She'll be a big loss if she goes to Chelsea. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I think rumours are she is going there, which is good for her. Yep. Not good. so good for Everton. Also gives, I suppose, Chelsea a little bit more of a defending flexibility. Millie Bright's knee injury seems to still still be hanging around, mm. but I think we'll probably see her back in action hopefully fairly soon. I don't think it's anything too serious, but it does keep cropping up. So again, I think you know bolstering that defensive line would be probably there. And I think she's played sometimes played defensive midfield as well. So that's flexibility, exactly. Oh dear. All right, Emma Hayes. It almost sounds like she knows what she's doing. Crazy. <laughs> Um, slightly sadder news uh, in the Everton camp. Uh, former Everton player Ricky Savecki uh, has retired from football after being diagnosed with a heart condition. Um, she's just 27 years old and she played for Denmark at the World Cup. Um, obviously, again, you know, really sad news. You never want to hear of a player having to end their career short because of something that, you know, something just untoward, just, you know, something you, you just would never expect. And I can only imagine, you know, sort of she's still processing the whole thing, thinking about what steps are next, what's to come for her. Um, yeah, I mean, I can imagine her still sort of, you know, staying in and around football in a different capacity. And I just hope the sort of, you know, clubs and the, the leagues are kind of supporting her in that. I mean, yeah, I mean, Rach, what, what were your thoughts when you heard heard the news? It's so sad. Um, Rick is, is lovely. I've interviewed her a few times. Um came across as a really lovely player, really enjoyed watching her play uh, when she was at Everton and for Denmark. So she'll be a big loss for Denmark as well. Um, you know, she's only 27. And yeah, as for an athlete, I can think of nothing worse than the decision to stop playing being taken out of your hands. Um, that must be really difficult to, to come to terms with. Whether she's still able to stay around football, it's it's always a tricky one because if it's taken from you like that, sometimes it's easier to to step away from mm-hmm. the game entirely, yeah. and you know, or even if it's just for a short period of time to to process that. But um, I think the game would be better if she sticks around in some capacity, potentially in Denmark. Well, wishing her the absolute best of luck. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. Right, let's move swiftly on. There's so much that has been going on outside. We, we've talked a lot about Chelsea, but I think there's some other business going on in other Just a bit. WSL clubs as well. Um, there have been some very big deals, obviously, involving the US. Who else has been infiltrating our thoughts and feelings over the past couple of months? Um, West Ham signing Christy Mewis is perhaps... Probably top of the list. Um, she announced her move just before Christmas, signing an 18-month deal. She said her first experience of football in London was a visit to Upton Park, and she's going to be joined uh, by international football royalty in midfield uh, in the shape of Katrina Gorey. Just 103 caps for Australia. We'll, we'll touch on her in a second. But when the news first broke that Mewis was going to be moving to West Ham, my initial thoughts were, Why? if I'm honest I thought it was fake news I thought it was one of these like tabloid pieces oh my god absolutely fake news (laughs) yeah do you know what I mean I was like you've just come from Gotham winning the NWSL title um I mean, she was a massive part in them getting to the site in the first place. It was her sister, Katie Stengel, uh, in the semi-final against Portland Thorns that sent them through to the final, which they eventually then won. She's just come off the back of the World Cup. Obviously, the, the World Cup for the US didn't go exactly to plan. I'm putting it lightly. Um, but she did at least get some minutes there. And then all of a sudden, you go from the sort of heights of that year to West Ham. Chloe, it's love. Who are sitting second for we- from bottom. For West Ham. Who are facing relegation to the championship. I mean. I can't cope with the fact that you would leave that to then possibly have your career at risk of going into the women's championship and only being seen on the women's FA player. (laughs) World Cup stage. Jesus. FA player. I hadn't quite thought of it like that. (laughs) Um, I did quite enjoy her coming out saying it was her dream to play for West Ham. And you know what? Maybe it was, but like, it's probably a little bit to do with Sam. Playing over here, maybe just a bit, just a little bit. Do you reckon it was the engagement, the house hunting? But you know what? Great business is being done by West Ham. Mm -hmm. I think hat tip to them so far. I think they managed to get in players. I think Katrina Gorey was out of contract as well, so they wouldn't have had to pay um, much for her. Obviously, wages and everything. But you know, getting in players of those caliber. Um, in terms of experience, Shalina Zadorsky on loan is another great bit of experience for them. And I think Zadorsky obviously has great WSL experience and on loan. So they haven't gone out and had to splash a lot of cash in this transfer window, which I think is really smart from Rianne Skinner because let's be real, I'm not sure West Ham are exactly throwing a lot of cash 
at the team right now. Um, so I think they're really smart moves from them. Well, they have gone for some very experienced heads. Everyone's sort of, you know, in the senior player level, having played or had some kind of international experience. I mean, Gory alone, absolute legend of the game, but has been literally everywhere. When I was looking at her career history, like I was I was writing down, it was becoming a small essay. It was Melbourne Victory, Utah Royals, Adelaide, Brisbane Royal, and now going to West Ham. Do you know um, what that means as well? Experience joining new teams is good, right? So sure. hopefully that means she clicks quickly. And gelling with squads quickly. Yeah, like you said, I mean... At the World Cup, I was—I mean, I was—I didn't even realize this. Gory had the highest number of tackles of any player at fifty-nine, and wow. covered the most ground of any player, covering just under fifty-eight kilometers in the World Cup. Bloody hell! Can you cope? Also, playing hundred match for Australia in the semi-final against England—that's incredible. Mean, you couldn't ask for more experience in West Ham if you are going to be relying on the kinds of heads, like the experienced, mature heads, to bring you out of the relegation zone battle. I would say. West Ham have done the absolute business this this window. Also, more Australians. Love it. You, you can never get enough of them. Love it. What they think of England, not too sure. Is Cold. January, February for the WSL pitches. It's, it's, not, it's not good. I mean, the other big talking point, one of my favourite talking points, actually, if anyone's heard, uh, Mary Earp's transfer saga has reignited once again. It was always bound to happen after all the drama that went on uh, last summer. Um, the Arsenal rumours seem to be dying down. They've they've kind of subsided. PSG are now the front runners in this multi-horse race. I like the, oh, the horse race thing. Love it. It's a bit of a throwback. Um, in signing her, I mean, Earps herself had some interesting things to say in December. She said, I don't know what happens currently. Um, what I will say is there is a lot of stuff being put out there that isn't true. I want to say more, but I can't at this stage. And it's really hard for me to sit and be quiet. I think it's an injustice, but I know the appropriate thing to do is to focus on my football. It's a slight exaggeration. We've just talked about why is she not signed her contract? Is she going to Arsenal or PSG? That's literally what the chat's been about. And I appreciate that it's been big news, but she's the world's best goalkeeper. People are going to talk about it. Do you think a move to PSG is the right one for Erps? Because I, I I, sort of see PSG sitting in a kind of similar situation to, to Manchester United in a way. They're currently third in the league, but they do have two games in hand. Obviously, Leon won the last two titles, you know, such Champions League you know, They're runaways. Still in it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that helps. It does help. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to go for the top, you'd be going for someone like Leon, but then also, also at the same time, you'd be competing with Endler, and that would be this having the, Endler and Earps in your goalkeeping squad. I mean, what would you do? It's most? a bit like a number nine, right? Like if you've got a really great goalkeeper, you're going to be playing at a top team, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a difficult one for a goalkeeper to find a top team that doesn't already have a top goalkeeper. Um, yeah. Could be a bit risky. I mean, you know, we've talked about PSG in the past in previous seasons when things have gone a bit tits up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, potentially a little bit risky. Um, have things changed? Maybe things have changed. But yeah, I think that would be a big jump. She's played at Europe before at Wolfsburg. I don't think she got loads of game time. Mm-hmm. Um, very different now with her being the best. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, we haven't seen her in, in, in the you know, behind the scenes of any photos from any training camp. We so, have not. <laughs> you know, we don't actually know where she is right now, but it'll be interesting. She could surprise us all and not go anywhere in January. <laughs> and all of this chat will have been for nothing. I kind of see that happening. But then the risk is that she comes out of contract in June and then Manchester United are stuck in that same situation that we saw last season with Alessia Russo and, the, and she goes to another club on a free transfer and everyone looks to Man United to say, well, you know, why why have the negotiations gone this way? You've missed out on uh, X again. amount of money mm. again for some invaluable players there. So I think 
if anything's going to happen, it should happen this January transfer window if Man United sort of look at it from a sort of commercial perspective. I mean, it, it kind of feels clear that she's she wants to leave, so kind of letter. And then there's that potential domino effect of United then needing a goalkeeper. Will Ellie Roebuck go there? You know, it's it's an interesting potential domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Ellie Roebuck who hasn't really seen any minutes well she hasn't seen any minutes um this side, this half of the WSL with Kiara Keating sort of taking priority for, for Gareth Taylor. I can see her getting super frustrated. And Manchester City's uh, Manchester United are just across the road. I have to ask, like this injustice of it all. Um as a player, have you had that? Like dealing with, I don't know, other players who may be teammates or unsettled by transfer rumours? I never think about this. Because I would think it's kind of part of the game and especially as the game grows and you know that players' contracts are coming to the end and especially big name players, it's going to be talked about, right? I think the most amount of experience I've had with that, because obviously I was sort of, when we went into the WSL for the first time with Spurs, we obviously had quite a few international and sort of like big WSL names that were joining Spurs to kind of bolster the squad, but they were signed on sort of two, three-year contracts. So at that time, everyone felt quite secure that that was going to be the squad. I think the the insecurity for us came as the players who were going into the WSL from the championship because we were signed on smaller contracts. So there was always that uncertainty that if this year didn't go to plan or if we didn't perform or if we didn't keep up with the WSLers, that our contracts would be going. So, But there was such a massive shift. We had 11 people coming in, 11 people... Um, staying so it kind of felt like it does create that kind of you know we're not too sure what's going to happen I think if there are big names as well that are leaving or big names that you know you you do get the sense there are sort of rumours flying around 100% I think people will be talking to their agents thinking about you know where their sort of future careers are so people will definitely be having conversations at at Man United I reckon especially when you've got you know Honard leaving last year as well Russo now potentially Earps I mean that is that's a pretty big sort of backbone of United there and yeah I think there was sort of also um uh sort of you know how seeing what the what the crack is with, with Skinner as well so I think obviously like people are getting maybe a little bit sort of I don't know frustrated angst, frustrated with him um yeah so yeah it'll be interesting to see what, what Man United do but talking of another uh rumor which is definitely heated <laughs> up I say rumor slash almost 100% 99.999% that. Arsenal decided to post a picture of Emily Fox in the background of one of their training um, <laughs> their training camp, which they then very swiftly deleted. It almost would have been better to keep it up there and say, actually, that was Lotta Wubinmoy or something like that. I think, wasn't it Getty who, so it wasn't necessarily Arsenal who like put them all up, right? Anyway, note, no, to, but, note to clubs. Um, if you haven't announced a player signing yet, uh, Try and avoid having them in the background of uh, training shots. Uh... But don't take when you take it down; it makes it look more incriminating. <laughs> Leave it up and say it's someone else. There's there's other players in the squad who kind of look vaguely like oh, her the memes. in a blurry the way. Memes. Um, uh, they have to they have to do some sort of pun or something or recognize it. You know, they've been outfoxed or I don't know something. One hundred percent something funny with it. Like recognize it, lean into it, guys. Yeah, you have to. But I, I rely. I mean, the, the Arsenal women's media team they do the business. I think they can probably take the joke themselves when it does eventually get. I tell announced. you what, though, I have been like looking in the background now of of uh, of, of, of all the photos shots just to be like, is anyone who's missed? Where's that player? I haven't seen that player in a while. We'll see a fair few images. Guess the images being taken down this weekend for sure. <laughs> Just but. this, like the last few days on Instagram, be like, is anybody in the background? Who have I? Who have I not seen in this training camp? I bet all the players were told immediately go through your social media <laughs> now and have a look because they've all been posting their warm weather training camps. Well, I think didn't um, the picture was Beth and Leah, wasn't it? Yes. And Beth and Leah pulled up a, pi- a picture, and maybe it was like a couple of frames later. 
Oh, because it was like that moment of the two of them and I just thought it was really funny because I was like surely they must have cropped out Emily in the background but how savvy have you got to be because a lot of people just wouldn't have picked up on who's that who's that blurry brown haired girl Is that? it's that <laughs> listen a lot of people wouldn't have picked up on have you met the Woso community yeah, yeah. they are sleuths to be detectives fair. it's incredible <laughs> nothing gets past them absolutely not um, but what do you think of the signing then on the basis that it's actually happening I mean yeah great I think they've needed that that area, they, they've needed a, a good solid player on the right. I think obviously Noel Moritz was good, but I feel like they were looking for someone a step above. I think Katie McCabe found herself in that position a couple of times this season and it is not her strongest position. So yeah, I think that that was an area they needed to address. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple of, of other players potentially joining as well. This weekend is all about the FA Cup fourth round, of course, and there are some proper David and Goliath clashes, including Arsenal hosting championship side Watford. Someone who knows plenty about Arsenal is Watford's right back and my former Spurs teammate and old mate. I mean, you're 26 now, Lucia. You're getting on. Um, oh my God, Chloe. Well, I've got to start with that. I think I met her when she was 16 or so. She was a, a young pup. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember her coming into the training ground, sort of wandering around aimlessly, sort of attached onto uh, Sophie McLean's side and now, yeah, and now yeah. look, an established... Still, still there. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us. Lucy, I really appreciate it, um, especially yeah. when you're in the midst of your prep for, for quite a big, juicy game this weekend. Um, I mean, you've faced Arsenal before, but in Spurs colours. Um, I mean, did you watch the Spurs win in December to kind of get some you know, inspiration? Obviously, it was the first time that Spurs had ever beaten Arsenal. Were you thinking, do you know what? This is this is our time now. Let, let's hit them. Let's hit them while they're a little bit a little with a, with a little bit weaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These people are never weaker, but um, uh, yeah, of course I watched the game. I watched the match. It was it was so cool to see Spurs win for the first time. Um, but yeah, I think um, obviously we have different players, so we'll have to approach the game differently to what uh, Spurs did. And could you tell us any of the uh, the tactics at all? Any of the behind the scenes gossip going on behind Watford? What are you what are you planning on doing against Arsenal? Don't tell gonna... us the tactics. Well, one hundred percent tell us the tactics. You want to hear them oh, here just... first. That's top secret. <laughs> All right, let me ask you a nicer question. So, yeah. obviously, you know, coming from Spurs, going into Watford, does it feel like Spurs 2.0? You've got Cole Haynes there, you've got Sophie McLean, you've got Gemma Davison, um, who are Anna Maywold, Bianca Baptiste. Um, you yeah. must walk into that change room and, and not know, um, you know, a blast from the past in a way. Yeah, that was literally what it was when I when I first got there. Obviously, I knew they were there, so it was it was always pulling me there, anyways. Uh, but yeah, like literally every training session, especially at the beginning, we were just hanging out together and stuff like that. Obviously, all the girls are also great. The team, the team is 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 really, really, really good. Uh, but yeah, it literally is, and we speak about it sometimes, and we speak about stories that happened before. I was like, oh my god, you remember when that happened? And Juan did that, or Karen did that, or whatever, or even you sometimes. Me? Whoa, 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 whoa. Plenty whoa. of stories like that. <laughs> right in, Lucia. Um, how have you found your first season? I mean, maybe a bit tough on the pitch, but how have you found it? Yeah, um, to be honest, it's, it's not turning out as, as 
we thought it was gonna be like, especially like in precision and stuff. Uh, I really like the way Watford plays. Um, the formation is quite tough uh, for me personally, as I'm a wing back and I have to just be running up and down a lot. Uh, but but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it because it's different to what uh, you would expect English uh, uh, teams to play. Like if if you get what I'm saying, like we don't really like to be doing route one type of football we like to play a lot uh, which is risky sometimes and we have considered from doing that but it's it's our it's our philosophy and and we follow it to the t really um so i'm really really enjoying that part uh, coming from spain where where we like to play football a lot as well and we don't like the physical game that much but i could actually say that we play even more football than what i did back at betis in spain in here um, well, you pretty much preempted my uh, my next question, Lucia. Um, obviously, you spent two seasons at Real Betis, um, having spent your youth career at uh, Madrid CFF. Um, how does your experience of Spanish football compare with your experience of of English football? And is it, do you have a preference? You sort of alluded to it a little bit there. Um, do you know what? I don't have a preference. It, it all depends in like sometimes what team you go to. Like when I was in uh, Spurs, like my last like two years, you know, when you guys just started like going to other teams and stuff like that, I uh, didn't like. It was a learning process for me. It was very tough for me to at Tottenham. Everyone, I was, I wasn't at the level that everybody was at. So I was basically trying to catch up every single training session and. And basically trying to make the squad every weekend, and it was very difficult mentally. I wasn't prepared mentally either. I was, I didn't know what a pro football player was was like, and I didn't go being to be a pro. Um, you know, like being this kid that was like better than than the people that was there. So it was kind of easy for me to just blend in it. It was just trying to catch up type of thing at Tottenham, and and yeah, it was very very difficult. So then. I didn't go to Spain in my best like confidence boost when I went to Madrid for the loan. And I went to a team that was fourth in the league and it was so difficult out there as well. I would say the training sessions sometimes were similar to Tottenham or even harder and not in the physical way because we used to run a lot with <laughs> with Rianne. The first two months, the only two months I was with her, I remember running quite a lot. <laughs> but in Spain, it was a lot of like, running with the ball okay running with the, all the drills like it was it was transitions for example uh, in three quarters of the field like three v three transitions it was with the ball but involved running it wasn't box to box but it was basically like a box to box so so i was also struggling out there in that sense but it taught me so much and then when i went to betis i signed against for juan i signed again uh, for juan and it was kind of like because I know exactly what Juan wants from me. I know how Juan likes to play football. So I kind of could like breathe a little more in that sense of I don't have to be like stressing every ma- every training session and like I don't have to be um, uh, like I had that little bit of anxiety with going into sessions and stuff like that. So when I was with Juan again at Betis, it was a little bit better. Uh, we did very well that season. I was like playing quite a lot, which I wasn't, the, in the past two two seasons and and that really really helped me but then Juan left and then another coach came and and I didn't really rate him to be honest so it was very difficult for me <laughs> to um to like uh, 
be around him and stuff. He was a very difficult coach for me to to be around, and I I am a lot about energy and stuff like that. And he wasn't giving it, so it was a very it was a very difficult few months until he then got fired, and then another one came, and he was great. Uh, but yeah, uh, I could say I've had mix of experiences in both countries. You know, I've learned a lot from both countries. Uh, completely different league in terms of the Spanish league and the English league. Uh, obviously, uh, I've, in my opinion, the English league is miles ahead of the Spanish league. Like sometimes we didn't know what time we were gonna play on a Friday, so on, and the game was on a Sunday. So in terms of organization, logistics, and methodology and all of all of that sorry uh the wsl is my mouse ahead but the spanish league is, is getting there yeah for sure um and of course now you've got the fa cup coming up um and obviously yeah. fourth round is when all the the teams that in the wsl and the championship are coming in and it's all about big upsets and those stories and of course at real betis you went and held Barcelona nil nil at one point that happened mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often um for many teams What was that day like? What was the team talk like? Is that an experience you can draw on? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, It's it's a very good question as well because I was speaking with Damo, our coach, about it on on the weekend. Like, um, these type of teams are so patient, like Barcelona, Arsenal, all these top top teams, they are happy to go nil-nil at halftime. They're not going to panic. They're not going to be like, oh, my God, what's happening? And then they score five on the second half, and then whatever, they go home with their average 5 nil in every single match, Barcelona specifically. So, obviously, you, you when as a player, like, you're super happy to go half-time nil-nil, like, you know, against Barcelona. You know, so it's just like, oh, my God, great. But you know you're going to dip in fitness. You know the second half is coming. And they are going to see what you've been doing for the past 45 minutes. They've got all their live TVs going on. They have all their live analysis going on. And they're going to be watching what they, what you've been doing for the past 45 minutes and those 50-minute gap. And they're just going to come in there. And whatever gap you might have been leaving constantly, they're going to pick on that, you know. So when it comes to Juan, he was always, he's always been so optimistic in the, but in, but really optimistic, like sometimes unrealistic. If if Chloe should know about it, and she would, and then it would just be like, yeah, we got them, you know. Like we need to keep going to doing what we're doing. We need to keep working hard. We need to, do... and yeah, obviously, like when it comes to like, there's it, nothing tactically that you can do to stop them. Sometimes you know, because they know not not just the coaches, but if they imagine you have like eleven coaches on the field that know tactically so well the game. That even if they haven't worked on it or if they haven't like spoken about it at half time, they know each other so well. They're so good individually that they would just pick that little space that you've left with your in your back seven that you have. There's still fine of space. So so yeah, with these teams you just have to be super concentrated other more than anything else and not switch off at any moment because that's when they they'll get panicked. And do you think there'll be a sort of similar team talk, I suppose, on, on Sunday? I think one of the, the, the infamous team talks, I mean, you're talking there about Juan and obviously you're referring to Juan Amoros, who's now at Gotham and obviously just won the, uh, the NWSL title with him this year, done fantastic. I'm assuming you're yeah. still in contact and still, still speak yeah, to each other. I know yeah, you two yeah, are, were so pretty tight. 
Um, but I, it always takes me back to that um, the Spurs game that we had to decide. It was at Aston Villa's ground to decide if we were going to go into um, the WSL. And we were, there was that presentation. Do you remember that Juan had put together and it was all, it was really emotional. We we're all kind of like hugging. We we're all around each other. We were like, this is the moment. Do you feel like yeah. there's going to be that channeling of that kind of energy on, on Sundays? You sort of go ahead and, you know, face face some titans, I suppose. And, and who are the big personalities as well in the change room who kind of, you know, bring that energy, that come on girls, this is our, this is our time to cause, cause some real damage yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we've been working on, obviously, because it's a, a come from a Christmas period, we've been working on it already. And, and we've had like our players meeting and stuff and like just to make sure that we're all on the same page. I think that's the most important thing for us that we tactically, we know our game plan and everybody does like, their job in that in that sense on the field and then yeah like you're always gonna have those people here and there that um that are gonna bring the energy up and like whenever people are tired you're gonna look at them and they're gonna give you that that boost uh obviously bees always around there always doing jokes i thought as much yeah yeah i try to be around it too when i <laughs> when i can and like bring the spirit up and and stuff like that so so yeah, obviously um, we're gonna go out there. Like this is a, uh, this is what I was telling my friend the other day. This is uh, the games games that we all want to play. All the players that are in the championship, we all want to play against teams like Arsenal, Chelsea, and WSL teams basically. Yeah. So yeah, we're all looking forward to it. And you talked there a little bit about sort of stepping up and being one of the more vocal players in the squad now. I mean, from when I knew you and when I was playing with you, you were you were a youngster. <laughs> you're a you're a WSL Championship pup. I mean, now you're 26. Do you do you, how have you found that transition into sort of you know being young, still developing, still learning, um, you know about the yeah. squad, about yourself, your style of play, to now being that kind of more senior uh, figurehead in the squad? How have you found that? You know what? I like it. I don't. Sometimes I do. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I wish I was still like, you know, 16 and everyone would be like, oh, you're so young. Everyone would be old like you. So, yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. Cheers. <laughs> no, you could be old. That's not, not, yeah, not to like be fair, um, I was going to ask, you were touching on how much um, you're looking forward to playing against Arsenal, mm-hmm. but specifically you. How much are you looking forward to pitting yourself against some of the players on your side, potentially your Caitlin Fords, players like that, how much are you looking forward to those individual battles? Oof. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Um, uh, well, I I, it, I, like, I don't know. I feel like uh, I'll have to tell you on the day. But I, I am, I'm looking forward for the match because I haven't played against a WSL team in a while as well. So I think uh, with... Uh, all the moms that have gone by and me playing uh, uh, La Liga uh, first division football in Spain and stuff, I think hopefully there's been progress. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, for me individually, that's the part that I'm most looking forward to and see how I will be doing against uh, this team, which it's changed since I've, I've played against them last time, but there is a lot of players that are still there from when I played them last time so it shouldn't be uh, that much of a change in that sense mm-hmm. apart from the coach the coach have changed as well but yeah I know they have a lot of physical strong players that in 1v1s it's going to be very hard to either get by uh, if I was to be up there or to stop 
on a on our one v one defending. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we wish you the absolute best of luck on Sunday. Um, we're completely unbiased, but obviously, you know, we do also love a big upset. It gives us something, <laughs> you know, pretty juicy to talk about. So, if you want to beat Arsenal, f- please feel free to. That would be um, that would be quite quite the topic of conversation for our, for our next pod. Um, but yeah, wishing you and the squad, and obviously my old my old Spurs teammates. Tell them I said hi as well. Think, still yeah, thinking of them. Um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Lucy. I really appreciate it, and and yeah, good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. That's before we head off on our FA Cup adventures this weekend, Rach, I've got to ask, it's 2024. If I could give you a football New Year's resolution, what would it be? So I'm asking football to make a resolution. For sure. Um, less ACLs, please. That'd be lovely. Um, less haters. Okay. Nice. I think let's be unapologetically women's football. We don't need to defend our right to exist. Uh, we don't need to talk about, prove ourselves, all of that stuff. We're here. We're not going anywhere. Let's just focus on the positives um, on growing the game. That's that. one of mine. Um, Ireland to make the Euros? Not I, to. Can I just give that to Ireland as a resolution, please? Um, and just, yeah, generally, less haters. Well, if you light your nan's candle, I'm sure it will come true. Yeah, many. Uh, my would be the scheduling situation uh, I think that kind of feeds into your ACL point in a sort of roundabout way um, yeah I don't think it's really we've never really got to grips with the sort of international fixtures the Champions League the, the major international tournaments the kind of Women's Nation League and where that fits and the FA Cup the Conti Cup and I think it's all getting a bit convoluted so I think everyone coming together and sorting that situation out would be would bring peace on earth Get around to table. all of the women's football community. Um, I'm back later this week with a special bonus interview with Durham's captain, Sarah Wilson. We'll be looking ahead to their FA Cup clash with Man City. Just a, just a little. And it's like Watford again. Just, you know, they've been drawn in these like small battles. Uh, as well as getting her take on a dramatic championship season so far. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Happy New Year to you all. Remember, you can find us on Instagram and X. I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball and we are generally at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at Upfront Pod. See you next week. Or on Wednesday. Or on Wednesday. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.